0: Content warning for violence, racism, misogyny, alcoholism, mental health issues, and split personalities. Action! Excitement! Horror romance! Thrills and chills! Swords and sorcery! Rockets and ray guns! A dizzying canoply of the strange and impossible from the darkest depths of the human imagination! What, what mad universe encompasses such tales as these... I think I did it to turn the heat down a little bit, to do something as someone other than Stephen King. I think that all novelists are inveterate role players, and it was fun to be someone else for a while, in this case, Richard Bachman. And he did develop a personality and a history to go along with the bogus author photo on the back of Thinner and the bogus wife, Claudia Inez Bachman, to whom the book is dedicated. Bachman was a fairly unpleasant fellow who was born in New York and spent about 10 years in the Merchant Marine after 4 years in the Coast Guard. He ultimately settled in rural central New Hampshire, where he rode at night and tended to his medium-sized dairy farm during the day. The Backmans had one child, a boy, who died in an unfortunate accident at the age of six. He fell through a well cover and drowned. Three years ago, a brain tumor was discovered near the base of Backman's brain. Tricky surgery removed it. Eddie died suddenly in February of 1985 when the Bangor Daily News, my hometown paper, published the story that I was Backman, a story which I confirmed. Sometimes it was fun to be backman, a curmudgeonly recluse la J.D. Salinger, who never gave interviews and who, on the author questionnaire from New English Library in London, wrote down Rooster Worship in the blank provided for religion. I've been asked several times if I did it because I thought I was overpublishing the market as Stephen King. The answer is no. I didn't think I was overpublishing the market, but my publishers did. Bachman provided a compromise for both of us. My Stephen King publishers were like a frigid wifey who only wants to put out once or twice a year, encouraging her endlessly horny hubby to find a call girl. Bachman was where I went when I had to have relief. This does nothing, however, to explain why I felt this restless need to publish what I wrote when I don't need the dough. I repeat, good thing I didn't kill someone, huh? In 1973, Carrie, Stephen King's first novel, was published and eventually sold one million copies in paperback. King has spent almost 50 years atop the bestseller list with hardly a slump. However, Carey wasn't his first novel. King had written four or five novels in the late 60s, beginning with his time in college, before Carey broke through. A few years later, King put out the novel he'd written as Getting It On, now retitled Rage, under the pseudonym Richard Bachman. Four more novels followed before Bachman's identity was revealed by an attentive fan and bookstore clerk, though King later put out two more novels under the Bachman name, possibly as a joke, it's been suggested that the identity of Bachman was assumed because it was seen as undesirable to publish more than one novel in a year, but King himself claims that he did it to satisfy his own curiosity. He was catapulted to stardom almost overnight, but Backman was a chance to start again from scratch and see if he had what it took to claw his way up to success the hard way. Hi, I'm Adam Prosser. With me is Philip Rice. Hello. And welcome to What Mad Universe, the podcast about pulp and the origins of science fiction. This is our big season finale. Uh, we'll be taking a few months' hiatus after this one, and we're joined by special guest and number one Stephen King fan, Zach Handlin.
1: <laughs> well, that's a that's a creepy context. Hello, hello.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I've always thought of you that. I mean, I'm a pretty big Stephen King fan as well. But of the of the people I know, you're the you're the biggest Stephen King fan. Well, thank um, you. Anyway, you may know Zach from his reviews and essays on the AV Club and a few other places. Um, <clears throat> So uh yeah we uh we we were basically we tackling specifically uh the collection that was known as the Bachman books it was put out uh in 1985 i believe they put out the first four Richard Bachman novels and um there was no specific uh like we just that was the only linking unifying thing was just that we were going to put out we were going to review all four of these books because they were all collected together but uh, to my surprise they all turned out to have some pretty strong thematic links. Mm. Um, I was uh, just before we get into it, Zach, did did you have any thoughts on like what made him say, this is a Richard Bachman story. And this is a Stephen King story.
1: Well, I mean, he tries to explain it and he has, there are a couple of different introductions that he wrote to the Bachman books. um, And he tries to explain it multiple times. I feel like, like his, the explanation that, that kind of made the most sense was where he talks about how, um, when, uh, when Donald E. Westlake used to write crime novels under the name Richard Stark, which is where he got, King got half the, his pen name, um, he said, Donald Westlake said, I write on the sunny days and uh, Richard Stark writes on the rainy days. And King, King said that that was sort of the, the dichotomy with him and Bachman. Um, the Bachman books are all very grim um, and, mm-hmm. and all very just not, they do not have a sense, a sense of optimism about society. Um, and about sort of the, 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 the side of good that most King novels are kind of driven by to the point where like, even the King novels that are very, very dark, like Pet Sematary, um, you still get a sense that one of the reasons they are so shocking is that they exist in a universe where good usually wins out. In the Bachman books, it's just grim pretty much from start to finish. And it's, it's King trying to take on darker and more complicated emotions than he usually tries to take on with varying degrees of success, um, and they're also very much, at least the first few ones in uh, in the Bachman books, they're very much more written by a younger man who's trying to figure out his sense of gender and a sense of identity in um, context that King wouldn't really wouldn't really allow himself almost in later books to sort of deal with. I I think for good reason in a lot of cases, um, but but the uh, the Bakwin books tend to be at least the core Bachman books, uh, the four that we're covering, and thinner. Uh, Tend to be very, very cynical, very dark. They have, they all have dark endings. Nobody really gets out okay. And um, spoiler alert, I guess. And they're all <laughs> just sort of, sort of, with, uh, like sort of tinged with this sort of teenage nihilism. This sort of, te- this sort of dis- that sort of despair you feel when you're like, you're like seventeen or eight years old. And like, and like, you just think that the whole world's out to get you, and nothing ever works out for anyone. Um, and it's, it's very striking to compare those to his regular work.
0: Yeah, that's see. Yeah, I I agree with everything you're saying there, and, and yet there. Part of me wants to sort of leap in and go. But what about because it it is the fact that um like you mentioned Pet Cemetery. I was actually going to bring that up because that's um it, it, that was something that I noticed about Stephen King is that for the seventies and maybe very early eighties, his books have a darker. Well, they're they're more likely to have a dark ending. Uh, then once you get to a certain point in his career. He basically, I mean, of course he writes horror stories and lots of bad stuff happens, but he stops writing stories, as you say, it, 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 there is a real sense of, yeah, good will always triumph over evil, uh, no matter what the heroes go through, they'll be sort of standing unbowed at the end, maybe having gone through some brutal stuff, but having recovered, um, and... Um, you know pet cemetery does have a pretty dark ending uh kujo arguably because yeah the kids. i just
1: the, just the context of those endings though do you, just keep in mind the context of those endings is usually individual suffering where society as a whole is generally okay like i think right. the stand is probably the most ambiguous about people as a whole but the thing about the Bopin books is it's pretty much all rot all the way down like yeah. pet cemetery ends because he just gets too cra- he, he gets, it's a personal tragedy and like cujo is a very personal tragedy and that's more like bad things occasionally happen it's what's what strikes me about the Bachman books is it's much more like this is actually no no, no for the most part everything always goes bad and right. and here's some stories in that world sorry i didn't mean to interrupt it just- no, no yeah no, that's uh, was,
2: that was good in that's the good. long walk the the main character survives but he doesn't stop the long walk from happening in the future. Right.
1: He and, doesn't and, do anything to stop also, it. Also, I think it's very arguable if he
0: survives or not.
1: Oh, right. that's fair.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I got the impression he had he survived, but he's basically, he was going insane at that point. Yeah, yeah. He, that's, that's the, the He reason. survived
2: in the technical sense. Right, exactly. Like a Lovecraft character. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and even even in the, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to the
1: long walk, but if you think about it, even, in the, even say he had one and everything, like it still would be... There's no winning at that point. It, it like it, it kind of invalidates the whole concept of winning by the by the
0: time you get to the end of the book. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and th- and that yes, because it is definitely it's the that's basically the point of the novel is that you know the, the competition is just a, a sideshow and <laughs> it's like everyone's already lost essentially. Yeah, which which is an interesting contrast with the Writing Man, which obviously you're going to con- contrast it with, uh, where at least you know there's an arguable sense of triumph over the system even, yeah however momentary even though he dies yeah but, yeah of, of oh the,
2: spoilers again
1: yeah. <laughs> no well we can talk spoilers
0: we're gonna <laughs> spoil these books i mean
1: king king himself identifies it as the only one of the four that has a happy ending right <laughs> that's a comparatively happy ending and that's the only one i mean the actually the regulators has a sort of happy ending in that the evil is defeated and it, it's the the still regulators is really basically a stephen king book that he put retcher bachman in but thinner doesn't have a happy ending
0: Sorry, the regulators. uh, That I thought that was published as Stephen King. No, that was uh, Desperation was published
1: as Stephen King, and Regulators is sort of a was sort of the mirror universe. It's a, it was a weird publishing stunt that I think he just did because he was curious to see if he could pull it off. Um, so you have a bunch of characters from Desperation show up in the Regulators in different contexts, but it was published under the name Richard Bachman. Even though it was acknowledged at the time, everyone knew that that was Stephen King, and there wasn't a sense of, he wasn't trying to pretend or anything like that, but it was very much published under the name Richard Bachman.
0: Right. Yes, that's right. Okay. I, sorry, I was thinking of the Langoliers for some reason. <laughs> I was getting it mixed up. But yes, I know. I I know what you're talking about. Yes, that's right. Desperation and Regulators were released basically side by side as Stephen King and Richard Bachman, and they had some kind of tie to each other. That's right. Yes. Um. He did one last book in like the 90s or even the 2000s as Richard Bachman. Am I am yeah. I wrong
1: about that? That's Blaze. That was actually uh, one of his unpublished ones. Uh. He um. He edited it. I think it actually was was a book he wrote after Carrie, um, and his publisher publisher passed on it. Uh, They had like two options. It was either Salem's Lot or Blaze, and they went with Salem's Lot, because Blaze is basically a a kind of crime thriller of mice and men. It's actually pretty good. Um, It doesn't really have an ending, but it's actually pretty good. But he published that uh, under the Richard Bachman name.
0: Well, that raises an interesting question, because... As you say, I mean, Rage, as far as I can tell, is literally the first novel he ever even attempted. Not the first novel published, but because he says he wrote four or five before he got to Carrie. Uh, and Rage, certainly Rage and The Long Walk uh, were written before Carrie. Um, I, read, I read somewhere that, that uh, The Long Walk was actually his first
1: novel, which blew me away because Rage seems much more like a first novel to me.
0: Anyways, yeah. Yeah, no, he does claim in the in the intro that it was rage. Was the, Like, he was literally writing that in college, I believe. Now, it, it, it might be one of these situations where he kind of wrote a bit of it, put it aside, came back to it, rewrote it. So maybe it's, it's hard to say which one is technically first and which one is technically last. But certainly they both seem to have been mostly finished before Carrie. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like Blaze was, as you say, as well. Uh, I remember him talking about Blaze, actually, like ages ago in an intro that he wrote. Yep. Yeah, he uh it was very interesting when that thing came out. Well, I, I think it's interesting that he seems to associate Richard Bachman then with his I don't want to say juvenilia, but his early stuff that for whatever reason slipped between the cracks. Uh you know, you're talking about Bachman being the darker side of him, but as you say, it is the teenage side of him as well or at least the younger side of him uh that has that nihilism and it it's hard not to think with Stephen King that like he got to a point where uh because he was I mean, if, if I'm being kind of not cynical, but blunt about it, it's kind of, well, he became a best-selling multimillionaire author, so he stopped having quite such a dark outlook on life. Yeah. And it got. It sells softer.
2: almost as much as Sutter Kane.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. He's. he's he, oh, sorry. There. That was a reference to, uh, In the Mouth of Madness. But, uh,
2: which is a really good movie, but it has a line I hate where, um, he says, um, a character doesn't know who Sutter Kane is, and another character says he outsells Stephen King. He yeah, outsells Stephen King. That's impressive. Yeah. Like, if He's you've heard his. of Stephen King, then you would have heard of the guy who <laughs> outsells him. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a good movie, but that line really bugs me.
0: Yeah. Well, that's ca- see, that's classic um, copyright avoidance, infringement avoidance. <laughs> I think they don't want to get sued by Stephen King <laughs> for a character who is pretty obviously based on Stephen King, right? As with, the- there's a movie with like a pseudo Bill Gates and they haven't mentioned yeah, Bill Gates. S- so same they with say- one
2: with a pseudo Elvis and they mention Elvis at one point. So. Right,
0: exactly. That's a standard technique.
2: I have virtually no uh, connection with Stephen King, unlike uh, the other two people here, Um I've obviously seen a lot of his movies, uh, or movies based on his books, um, to to varying degrees of fidelity, I know. Um, The Shining is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I know Stephen King has a lot of issues with it. Um, And I I had started reading The Shining as a teenager, but I wasn't really, during that period of, of my life, I wasn't reading a lot of books, so I didn't finish it. And part of it may have been because I liked the movies sort of confusing imagery that doesn't that isn't explained and the book seemed to be explaining a lot of it right and uh, uh i had uh similar uh reasons why i never read uh 2001 a space odyssey because i liked the movie's ambi- ambiguity right. and uh thinking about it uh the only kubrick movie based on a book where i liked the book better was lolita and yeah that, i mean kubrick had issues with that movie so right.
0: yeah but but it, it is yeah it's true uh, you know Stephen King is very um you know, he, he, he basically gave up any any pretext of being, a, you know, a highbrow writer early on, I think. I think there is, I, I, that's not to say he, like, that's how he describes himself. He says, I'm the, I'm the big mac and fries of authors, basically.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of frustration for him with that. And I think one of the reasons he describes himself that way is sort of like a getting in front, steering into the skid, getting in front of the problem. Because he, we are living in a time where Stephen King is generally recognized as, um as a great i I would say he's a great writer i think he's a great popular novelist um he's not necessarily always a literary novelist or even regularly a literary novelist but we that would be a bit of you know know, that would be a discussion for another time but we do live in a time where that where king is much better regarded by the critical establishment but you get a lot of sense in like the 80s that he had a huge chip on his shoulder um about the way he felt he was being dismissed um
0: well yeah um actually sorry didn't uh, didn't you just have a, not a not a clash with uh, the oh king, god yeah <laughs> he kind of he kind of indirectly took a swipe at you for your reviews or whatever on oh the it
1: TV wasn't club. at me it was at the av club uh a dowd um gave dr sleep a kind of b minus review i think um and king sniped on twitter about how someday he'll get a, a fair review from the av club which you know he's gotten multiple A's and A minuses. He's gotten multiple essays about how much important his work is to many of us. Um, It was very peevish and weird from like, I don't know, authors get that famous. You probably get to this headspace where you don't necessarily think through, through clearly you just are so powerful that there's no consequences anyway. So you just swing.
0: Right. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, he was kind of sympathizing with a different writer, if I recall correctly. So he was kind of trying to, trying to, to say, oh, I know what you feel. I never get a good review either, kind of thing, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's that <laughs> that that you know. What what more do you want? You're the richest guy in the universe. You're even becoming critically acclaimed. You know. Um, but uh, yeah, uh,
2: reading him for the first time here, like like I said, I had started a book before, but these are the first ones I finished. I started with the Running Man on these because I I had seen the end of the movie once, um, and. Um, <laughs> I actually had um, a lot of problems getting into the running man because the main character is as I went on learned intentionally unlikable but I you know I had never read King before so it like he he comes across as very racist at the beginning very sexist like he sexually harasses a woman mm-hmm. um, but it's it's obvious as it goes on that he's supposed to be unlikable in a, in a way like he has good qualities as well but uh yeah, it was it was hard to get into at first, but I came around on it. Right. And uh, the other ones, yeah, I can see why he's so popular. He's very even beyond the plots that make good movies. Um, he's uh, very, uh, it's very well paced, very readable. I guess that that sounds like an insult, but like a lot, a lot of
1: it's authors, very aren't. true. It's very true. Yeah, these especially.
0: Yeah, he, he's a very propulsive writer. He mm-hmm. kind of gra- gets his hooks into you fast and drags you along. And it's funny because he'll describe a lot. He'll go through a lot of stuff that in other people's hands would be kind of unengaging. It'd be kind of like, oh, get back to the action or whatever. You know, he'll be describing what a character is making for breakfast or how he gets hold like in Roadwork, there's a lot of how he gets hold of this uh, these explosives that he's going to use in the third act and, you know, how his marriage is falling apart. And, and But it's all engaging. Like, you're, you're drawn in, you know. Yeah, you, I,
2: even uh, during <clears throat> the action scene in road work uh, at the end when he's you know fighting with the with the cops it, it takes a takes a uh moment aside to talk about the creeping vines on his neighbor's uh house just right. sort of um in the middle of the action like as uh, just his thought process and
0: it, yeah, it works that's a, that's a big stephen king thing is yeah. often he people sort of their minds wander to something arbitrary in the moments of high tension or drama or mm-hmm. whatever uh, that's that's a that's a very common uh, technique he uses. Just, just very quickly, so just to very quickly summarize these stories. Like, as I said, uh, it's funny because they did end up having a lot of thematic uh, connections. Uh, Rage is basically about a kid who walks into school one day because of, you know, all of the psychological stuff he's going through and pulls a gun. But, and yet he's not, you know... In the classic, uh, just a completely disturbed person. I mean, he is, but he's he's able to sort of uh, wrangle the kids into sort of revealing their own secrets and their own hangups and their own problems. So it becomes very much a confessional uh, for everyone in school, and they start to you know come over to his side. Uh, King pulled it. Because, of course, it's about a school shooting, and he started to feel that that was something he didn't really want uh, out there in the world.
2: Yeah, out of these ones, that's the one I haven't read, because I couldn't get a hold of it for cheap.
1: Right. It's probably, I, I, I would argue it's probably the weakest of the three, of the four.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, as I say, it may be his first book, so it's pro- completely understandable. Uh, then there's um, uh, the long walk is literally about a uh, futuristic. It is definitely set in the future. Oh, by the okay. Way. We were I... having this discussion over whether it was actually set in the future. the The world building is very slight in the road. In the road, in yeah. Road all War- the references the
2: were sort of of the time. So I, I right. got the feeling it was an alternate present, but I wasn't sure. It,
0: yeah, it might be an alternate reality. Actually, there is some weird suggestion uh, that like he talks about someone uh, taking over a nuclear German bunker in 1953 or something, which was very strange, it kind of stuck out. Uh, But Zach, what what was your thought on that one for the long walk?
1: I assumed it was like the near future. Um, I mean, it's, there's no, like, (sighs) it's hard to pin it down in certain ways, but I think that's one of the things about the book that I really appreciate. It's, um, it's very much of these four it's the most pure story and it's like like it's it's almost a writer's exercise like how simple can you make a plot that's also intensely what is the like the bare bones for a plot that is also suspenseful um and i think the world building in it is actually kept admirably slim i always assumed that it was set in a a sort of future where the america had been taken out like america was under dictatorship simply because it was this most straightforward and simplest explanation. Um, I think it's certainly possible to imagine it as an alternate reality or, or something like along those lines. Um, but it, to me, it just sort of felt like it was like kind of vaguely futuristic just because that's sort of what the running man is. It's sort of a dystopian. And it was also the one that required the least effort on my part to justify. It.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, no, like the oh,
2: running man is clearly deliberate. Uh, the long walk. We didn't actually say what it's about. Right. Um, Bunch of kids, uh, they volunteered to, uh, walk and if they stop or slow down too much they got shot right it's and a competition until one, yeah until one's left
0: basically a hundred kids start out from Maine and they just walk and walk and the last one if you if you fall behind you get shot and the last one standing wins quote the prize which even the prize is not very well defined it's just basically whatever you want they say mm-hmm. Um, but yeah no it's I think very deliberate that he did not establish the world at all like one there, moment there's a
2: little bit about uh, his father spoke up against the walk and was uh, taken away, by yeah. There's the squads, there's yeah. death squads, and and he talks
0: at one point. He says when there were millionaires, they used to give to charity, when implying kind of a communist dictatorship, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it's just completely evocative with no. It's very 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 focused on the walk, and in every other there are respect, a few
2: flashbacks, but yeah. they don't focus on the world, just his own life, basically.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it's very much about, and, and that's a that's a deliberate technique it's to say yeah they only care about the walk they're not they're not thinking about anything else all they can think is the determination to 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 be the last one standing basically um anyway so then the the road work is about a a man who's and he is as you say kind of an old school don draper executive he's sort of mid 40s he'd be older than king probably was at that point um and he's he's uh you know he's he's basically seeing they're going to bulldozes house and actually the place he works as well uh, to make way for a new uh, a new highway extension and uh, he's
2: basically c- Napoleon of Notting Hill. Yeah
0: <laughs> well. S- sort of <laughs> no, It's much different it, It's just the The setup is the same he, He's determined not to Basically he, he's got too many Psychological hangups To be able to move And he sort of sabotages his life And by the end He's basically Getting, getting gearing up To become a lone wolf shooter And take on the cops uh, who And the company That's going to bulldoze the the, the the town And then there's The Running Man Which is probably the best well Most well known of these th- uh, These four Which of course Was adapted into a movie Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, and Very is, closely adapted (laughs) very faithfully adapted (laughs) Uh, and turned it but yes it's about a futuristic and this is more explicitly like they he does do more world building in the running yeah
2: it I think the mo- the book ta- uh, I can't remember but it takes place even further in the future than the movie. The Tw- movie's
0: 2025 is the f- is the book Okay,
2: and- the movie's 20 uh 2017, so
0: Right. So hence all the memes online referencing uh the the running man crawl when it when 2017 rolled around. But yeah, he he uh, but yes, it's just, it is the same basic idea but in the um in the in the book he uh he literally ha- he's allowed to travel all over the country and people are, you know, spying him and they get they get paid to spot him and and uh he's being hunted all through the country. Uh, whereas in the movie, of course, he's constrained to a you know, a, a warehouse basically full of it, traps. It, and
2: I think it said it was four hundred miles or something, but yeah.
0: But yeah, it was it's a track, but yeah, it's a course yeah. if, if you and,
2: and they're in the in the uh, movie there's of course this sort of wrestling themed or American gladiators, <laughs> yeah uh, stalkers who who mm-hmm. hunt him down and they all have their own personas and things. Yeah. Uh the the None of that's in the book. The book's more focused on class issues which right. barely comes up in the movie. It's sort of a background thing in the movie, but it's very central to the book.
0: I feel like that's something in the movie they would expect you to take for granted almost <laughs> like just, you know, oh yeah, of course this is a this is a class. Well, see, now that's an interesting thing to me because uh, this this predates Uh, These stories predate anything like *Battle*, the movie *Battle Royale*, or *The Hunger Games*. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't imagine it's the first example of a brutal competition in a dystopian future, but I can't think of an older one. Can Can either of you guys Uh, think of an older version? The closest
2: I can think of is *The Most Dangerous Game*, where a guy's being hunted on an island. But yeah, but that's not yeah that's not
0: the same thing. Yeah. Zach, can you think of an ex- earlier example of that? Like, it- no, uh, nothing
1: springs to mind. Um, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if there was there was some inadvertent influence, but um, well, I mean, neither those, neither neither the long walk or the, uh, the running man are about uh, that sort of battle royale type situation, though. It, like the long the long walk is like literally a battle royale in terms of can you walk the most, but there's no fighting between them. It's like explicitly out, outside the rules, they can't touch each other. And the whole point of The Running Man is that he's being pursued by the agents from the show. If anyone, like anyone, everyone, they're supposed to report him if they see him. It's basically him versus the entire country. Um, So it's kind of a minority reporter. I don't know, John Wick (laughs) 3. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be be hugely surprised if there was some sort of influence. But it's definitely that that there definitely was. uh, They're not, strictly speaking, exactly the same, which is not what you're saying. But um, I just got rules lawyered. Oh.
0: there there is there there's definitely a big difference but it's hard not to see because in in every case the the actual rationale is that this is bread and circuses and more it's specifically like designed to craft a narrative of turning people against each other in one way or another in the mm. long walk it's a case of well you're going to bond with these people but you have to watch them die in front of you that's the and in running man it's literally everyone in in the, the country is going to be against you and we're going to demonize you and make you into the bad guy
2: yeah and again it's it's specifically about class issues there where it's because he's from the lower classes right and he, he volunteers to this he's in the uh in the movie, it's because he's been falsely accused of a crime, but in the book, he just needs money to save his sick daughter, right? Uh, who's a, a baby. And um, uh, so he, he volunteers to this because he, he has no other options, because there's no work, because he's been blackballed right. from work, uh, from getting a job, and uh, he's just completely desperate. But they paint him as this... Uh, uh, on the show, they, they doctor photos of his wife to make her look more whorish or whatever, yeah. Uh, and they they describe him as like a, you know, an underworld, you know.
0: Yeah, it's it's the idea of game show as psychological manipulation for the populace by an evil controlling entity, basically. Yeah, uh, but that's I, I, I did like and the
2: because uh, it, it's interesting because they they paint him. You know, he's really bad because he's gonna uh, go on this show and uh, they get extra money for killing cops and stuff and. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really bad for doing this, but you know, they told him to do it. Yeah. They (laughs) set it up.
0: Yeah. It's all part, you know, it's there. He's, he's got the crowd bang for blood on the, on the, on the show. And then they turns around and is like, Oh, this is great. This is great drama, great ratings (laughs) kind of thing. But, but more than that, there's the point, it's not just about ratings. It's the point of, this is how you control everyone basically. Um, And that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, it's not hard to see how maybe, uh, what's her name? Who wrote the hunger Games, Suzanne. uh, Collins. Collins. Yeah. Like I, I would easily believe that she was somewhat inspired by this or, or if not this, then maybe something else that inspired <laughs> that inspired this. Oh yeah. No, I would that wouldn't surprise. I mean, I think, I think it's, there's a lot of,
1: there's been, I've heard a lot of conversation about the fact that hunger games came after battle Royale and there was some, there was some like grumbling about that, but um, yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's a, it's a very powerful, it's a very powerful concept. And there are lots of different ways you can work with it, which uh, have created a lot of really interesting art.
0: Right, and it and it is it, it is all tying back to the whole idea of the ancient Romans using, as I say, bread and circuses. The mm-hmm. idea of yeah, this is how we'll keep the population in line with gladiatorial combat. Yeah, instance.
2: that's directly
0: referenced in right. Running Man. Right.
2: Uh, also, Running Man has a, again, the movie ends with a you know him winning and kissing the girl and all that. Right. Uh, the book ends with him crashing a plane into a building. Right. Uh, which which. Uh, yeah, Speaking are things not, that might not fly Yeah, these they're days. not going to adapt that
0: <laughs> <laughs> accurately at this point. Right, yeah. Um which they could have in When did Running when did the movie uh, run? 88 Man come out? I think, 87 maybe. 87. Well, this is the interesting thing about Running Man is you almost subconsciously think of it as a Paul Verhoeven movie, uh, even though it is not. <laughs> and it might even predate RoboCop. I'm not 100% sure. I
2: think it's around the same time. Yeah.
0: So it's actually
2: interesting It does come ac- Yeah, you're right. It does come across that way. Uh, with the social satire and things. Even has some fake TV shows in there. Right. Yeah,
1: it's not it's not as well directed as a Paul
0: Verhoeven movie.
1: <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> no. It, it was pretty fun though. I mean oh, yeah. it's stupid. No, it's, it's fun. But... Sorry,
0: yeah. yeah. It's a bad movie. But no it's...
2: I no, no, I I enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> it's a it's a it's a good hunk of cheese, I guess. Yeah. What I
2: just doing. watched it the other day. Like I said, I had seen it on the ending on T V at three AM in the morning as a teenager, but
0: but you did watch the
2: whole movie. Yeah, uh, the other the... day, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, no, as as, as uh, you're saying, Zach, yeah, I, it is kind of the thing where, yeah, if Paul Verhoeven had done it, it would have been better. But he made Robocop instead, which in many ways covers the same territory in a different way. So, um, but, but more than that, though, it is interesting that when you look at all four of these stories, they're all about um, an individual raging against the system, pushing back, often violently, against... Yeah, the system, but just society that's kind of trying to grind you down, as he says mm-hmm. in Rage. And you know, they'll, they'll the grind you walk, down.
2: Oh, sorry. In The Long Walk, I felt like uh, it's oh, really nihilistic in a way because all the kids, they volunteered for this, but none of them can really... Articulate why they just seem to right. not want yeah. to live anymore.
1: It's it's really fascinating how he manages to pull that off because you would think that would be like writing 101, is you have to come up with a good reason to justify while the, why they're all there, but there never is. Like it never, there's never a point where you say, "Oh, you have to put your name in at a certain point when you turn a certain age," and this is something we all have to do. It's like no, they all they all volunteered for it, and they all kind of. There's like a it it's it's really you can make a lot of. Uh, a lot of meal, edit- uh, meal or something out of that. Uh, it's really interesting that he manages to make that work. Like I never, I've read The Long Walk. It's probably the one, it's the one of the, the Bakken books that I've read and listened to the audiobook to the most often, um, just because it's something that's so, I find it so pure in terms of narrative flow that I just find it really easy to get kind of caught up in it again because it's so, bam, 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 bam. There's no, there's no like tedious side quests. There's no, let's hang out with these other characters that we don't really care about or let's wander off and like try and like set up a new plot. It's um, it's just very straightforward and the simplicity of it and the fact that he can literally have characters do this thing, which from a distance is monumentally stupid. And yet, it it works because of the, the 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 confidence with which he puts it out, the the immediacy of it that like he gets this really great combination of like sort of symbolism that can be applied to a lot of different ideas. Like I I realized revisiting it recently, it's, uh, it's a it's kind of a Vietnam War allegory, um, but hmm. it's so general. It's so general. It's almost just an allegory for like what you feel like when you're a teenager and like just growing up and like becoming aware of your own mortality or something, and. <laughs> And yet specific enough in terms of what actually happens on the walk, that the combination of the sort of general symbolism, uh kind of weighted down by this these very gruesome deaths, very, very like explicit, very violent descriptions of characters, um, and these very specifically like he he draws the he all the characters are very well defined. He does a great job of making sure each one of them stands out. And just some some, some of them are archetypes, but they're all very um distinct. It's it's just really it's a very good piece of, I, I've come to, I have my problems with it, but I, I think it's a very impressive piece of work. And I think one of the reasons that, that impresses me the most is the fact that he can kind of do something that, again, these days, one of the first notes you would get is you have to justify this. You have to give this more backstory, or you have to have some sort of side group, group on the side trying to work to stop the long walk. And there's none of that there. Right. Yeah, I
2: mean, I mean they they try to rush the soldiers at a, at a few points. One yeah, but that's actually literally kills in the a soldier, but of the lock itself
1: yeah. and you get the sense that that happens every time. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. You always get true. a sense of like maybe not as far with the ones that they like the, that that happens this time. But you get the, like, one of the, the really grim things about it is you get the sense that every time this happens, there are always these people who suddenly, suddenly realize what they've done, the, the choices that they've made, and they suddenly decide, realize, no, we need to stand up and fight for themselves when it's far too late for them to do anything. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and that's that's actually, again, that goes back to the, the the theme that really links all of these together that whole sort of ra- raging against the machine, as it were. It's, it's whether you can actually do it in any plausible way the running man he actually does you know technically score a victory but in many ways it's just about reacting to a hopeless system uh when 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 you were last year zach we talked about high rise and that was a big thing in high rise that was you know the 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 building was a metaphor for the system and people just accepted it. They just kind of went along with it, even though it made no sense that they would stay in this building. And long walk is the same way. People just kind of go when you're presented with this reality of this is how the world works and everyone loves the long walk. So I guess I want to be on the long walk, even though it means I have 99 chance out of hundred that I'm going to get killed. <laughs> uh, you know, they doesn't, and even if I survive, I could end up as a, a huge mess, you know, um, th- th- that whole aspect is there. And, and, Again, these were all written uh, – I think Roadwork was written and Running Man were written a little later, but they all do f- – And but ro- uh, Roadwork is set in the Vietnam era. It's literally set in 1973, and they're mm-hmm. talking about the Nixon uh, impeachment. Um, and the gas shortage. And the, and the energy crisis. They talk about that a lot. And it, it does – when we did uh, – I don't know if you've heard it, Zach. We did one show uh, on uh, Nothing Lasts Forever, which is the uh, the book that uh, was the basis for Die Hard. Um, and the funny thing oh, about Oh, uh,
2: just as a side, uh, there's a new documentary series on uh, Netflix called The Movies That Made Us and I just uh, the other day watched the episode they did on Die Hard and it's got some interesting stuff in there so yeah. well, it's a companion piece to our show I guess. I guess.
0: Well, but, but the the thing that we found interesting about the book or w- well one of the things is that you know the the movie's actually pretty faithful even though it's not John McClane it's a completely different character in all other respects it's a faithful adaptation of the book but it's filled with social commentary and it's not just social commentary, but angry social commentary, uh, about, you know, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, no. I, I, I didn't leave, listen to the episode, but I do know the, about the book that it's very, it's a, cause it's about, he's going for his daughter, but like, she's like, instead of his wife and, and she, but she's corrupt and everyone's corrupt or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah
2: it's a big oil company. Yeah. And, it's... Uh, it's very, like we said in the episode, it's very, uh, Jimmy Carter era politics right. and the movie's very Reagan era politics. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's that when people say that the 70s was a time where just everyone was like angry and scared and furious and nobody really knew what was going on they were dealing with the fallout from the 60s. Uh, you know, you really see that in the in Nothing Lasts Forever and in the Bachman books. Like, you see that, I mean, maybe it was just a literary trope, but it it sure seems like it was speaking to something in society at the time, that people were just, you know, they were starting to feel the, the, the clutches of you know, the post-World War II order going Well, he, I mean,
1: at, when King wrote those, he was also, I mean, if you just, King kind of paints it, not not romantically, but he like, it, it's easy to sort of overlook the fact that he had a hard life for a long time. Um, and as a young man, he was struggling for a long, like he, he had kids when he was very young um, and he was working these a series of these absolutely miserable menial jobs um, and so it makes sense that there'd be that sort of resentment and anger built in that, as you said earlier, like it kind of became about other things as he became incredibly wealthy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that it, there's, I think that anger does, even if it's not always channeled in very articulate ways, um, and I think you could argue one way or the other on that. But I'm, I, there's a, I think the, the sentiment that drives a lot of the anger in this is, is certainly real, um, even if it, the expression of it isn't always as strong as his later books would be.
0: Yeah, I, for, for sure. King I, himself and then but, – but it, but it is a temporal thing too. It's like that seems to have been in the air in the 70s. I mean mm-hmm. even freaking Star Wars, which is literally the basis of kind of going retro and going back to the old, uh, you know, the Reagan-era politics of, you know, good guys versus bad guys smash evil – it still has the whole "you got to fight the evil imp- empire" and Lucas saying that well, the empire represents America if it's allowed to continue in this. Like, there's still more politics in it mm. than than yeah. you would have gotten. And even I got a few years uh, later.
2: distinctly sort of socialist vibe from Running Man in terms of the its representation of class politics and things, uh, which I. I I don't think
0: King is... No, no. Well, King is very much an old school, like, liberal. like, mm. And that's the thing, as Zach's saying, he came up from nothing. Like, yeah. most... A lot of people who get... You know, who are in his kind of position, they had, at the very least, a nice middle-class uh, upbringing, but mm. King is really, like... He really came from a very yeah, lower King, class background. Yeah, King
1: is one of the rare examples of someone who did literally have no connections, no... He, he was not wealthy as a child, no like family, like he just, he actually is the one in a million. Like he is almost, you could almost use him as an example. If you were trying to prove that capitalism works, <laughs> Right. I would not, but like you, <laughs> he, he actually is that rare, very rare case where it like, uh, who knows what would happen if Brian De Palma had an option carry, but like, it's still, he, right. he, he, he liked, he hit the jackpot.
0: Yeah. Supposedly, like there was literally a point where King was almost going to be I don't know if he was literally going to go to jail, but he was facing legal problems from a traffic accident and the money from a short story came through oh, and it saved yeah, him. Yeah.
1: It, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, if we're thinking of the same incident, it, I don't think it was a traffic accident. He actually got drunk one night and went around town picking up traffic cones because uh, <laughs> he hit one with his car and he got pulled over by the cops and got into some legal problems with it. And the money from the raft was what helped build him out. Right. Um, yeah. He talks about it in the, the, the end notes of skeleton crew, but yeah, he, uh, he was, I mean, he was a very, he was a severe alcoholic. So that's, that can't be fun. Um, but yeah. Yeah.
2: Did and the it, cocaine come later? I don't know much about Cam, later. So, I think, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, yeah. he, t- I mean, he talks about you just, the things you find like the side notes. Like he'll talk about when he, like the short stories that like the money came would always come at the most needed. Like when one of their kid kids needed like medicine for an ear infection, they would get money from one of these porn magazines that he sent the stories to. It's, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty shocking. Um, yeah. It's it's impressive that he managed to pull that he he managed to pull himself up out of there.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Carrie, he was literally throwing Carrie in the trash, and his wife dug it out, right? And said, "No, you should try." Publishing yeah, yeah, the us. first chapter made him uncomfortable,
1: and I think it's understandable. Like you, you can get a sense of that discomfort when you read the book. Um, he was trying to deal with like teenage teenage girls doing things that you know boys weren't supposed to think think about teenage girls doing. And there's a uh, throughout the book, there's sort of like a a distance he has from like trying to understand that that the females, the women in it um yeah. but yeah his wife was right like it did turn out something pretty remarkable
0: but but it also just shows like uh, he's always been sort of a soft like you know he's not he's not exactly a raging socialist but he's always been sort of soft lefty in his politics mm-hmm. from what i can I, see. I
2: just got a, a harder thing from uh uh running man than i got from the other books or even right uh, or his persona on like twitter and things right
0: yeah, he's yeah, the running man is, is definitely the one where he's like, Yeah, fight this is I mean, it does come up in some of his books. He's mm-hmm. he's definitely not a big fan of like authoritarian figures at all and police figures. Even as late as like Desperation, there's like a, a renegade cop who's the bad guy. I mean, Under the
1: Dome literally has a Trump figure in it. I mean, it wasn't written as a Trump figure at the time, but he's like one of the better analogues for a Trump figure. Uh this uh uh horrible used Carl Salesman rich guy in town who decides to take over and just pretty much ruins everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think the thing that changed um, with that is that, again, yeah, like I said earlier, I think the thing that changed with King's work is that those characters tend to be sort of, even with his cynicism of, like, of of government and his cynicism about about individuals, there's still a constant sense of, um, a growing sense of, like, people are still decent. Like he still he really wants to believe that people can be fundamentally decent. And he'll write he'll write stuff that's paranoid about the system, like Firestarter is very paranoid about the government, but it's still there are still parts of it that like at the end the triumphant ending of Firestarter is the little I'm spoiling king books all over the place. I apologize. Um oh, that's fine. but the the triumphant end of start starter is the is the girl showing up at Rolling Stones to tell her story. Right. It, which which these days would be like, yeah, like that's gonna do anything. She's gonna be dead in the box <laughs> in like a week. Um, but it, it, well, she does have psychic powers, so there's that. But yeah, it's it's just I think there was a shift for him, and there was a shift for the country that even as Reagan was not a good president, but like he very much created this illusion of mm-hmm. prosperity and and comfort. And I think King kind of kind of benefited from that because his books are all like his '80s books are mostly about. Either, like the dark side of that status quo, cool, but still with that fundamental belief in things could be all right. Things will be all right. As opposed to like in these books where nothing is ever all right. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, a, he's, he's, he's a, he's religious, right? Stephen King. He's yes. The, yeah.
1: He's not, he's not like a specifically, he said, he's not like a, there's not like a specific faith at this point, but probably a, a sort of bland, like a generalized Christianity, but he has said he believes in
0: God. Right. Because, and that shines through. And like, you look at desperation, which is in many ways, kind of a, uh, a, a re- revamping of the stand in some ways it's the same thing over again but in that one he very explicitly says but the evil is kind of weak and sad and will ultimately destroy itself it doesn't matter you know you can't just we ha- you have to stop it because you have to do the right thing but the evil would not take over the world or anything it it, it is going to burn itself out it can't win yeah which is something that you don't hear as much in, like, The Stand, where it's literally taken, starting to take over the world. And it's kind of a sense of, yeah, no, good always beats evil. That He almost explicitly starts saying it later in his work, right? Like, yeah, it's, it, is. It's, it is interesting, though, as I don't think the undercurrent of darkness ever completely goes
1: away, because there have been books in the past 10 or 15 years that he's written that once you kind of get past the sort of, you know, more cheerful air art can be absolutely just brutal like revival has one of the darkest endings in any of his books um then there's uh there's a there's a death in Key that is just kind of out of just a, a gut puncher um like he, he there's this, there's a very there's a growing bitterness about about death in his later work, a growing sense of his own mortality. It's just, it, there's a shift over time where it goes from, like when he was younger, it was, the, he, was he was raging against the system. And then in the 80s and night, it was like more rage against bad actors. And as he get older, there's more of an interest in just, and this is very, very broad, but like more of an interest in just this general man. Maybe being, maybe being alive just kind of sucks in a lot of ways. That, um, and that, that has seeped into a lot of his later work, I think
0: well literally him getting uh, hit by a car seems yeah, to Yeah, that 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 did a lot too. <laughs> that look a lot. Yeah. I haven't read most of his uh like last 10-15 uh, years worth of work so I don't really know uh, what's happened with there. I should I should check it out again, but uh, yeah, I'm more familiar with his early stuff and 80s and early 90s stuff. Uh 112263 is great if you haven't read that yet. Okay. Cool.
2: Uh, so there are a a few other authors who uh, got really big and then released books under pseudonyms. Yeah, right. Uh, the one that comes to mind is J.K. Rowling, who put out some apparently not very good detective stories or something. Right. Cuckoo uh,
1: calling,
0: cuckoo's calling. Uh, Galbraith, was it? Oh yeah, but I feel like we always knew that was her, though, didn't we? Like she um, didn't hide apparently it. Apparently,
2: she uh, she claims that she was outed, but people say she put the clues out pretty obviously, and it after uh, the first one didn't sell very well. Yeah, and she sort of put the clues out, and people put it together. So,
0: well, then the other thing is Stephen King literally wrote a novel about kind of his experience being Richard Bachman, uh, which was The Dark Half, uh, uh, yeah. about an an author who you know tries to bury his pseudonym, and then the pseudonym comes to life. And
1: it's uh, it's not very good, which was disappointing to me because I loved that book as a kid, and I revisited that recently, uh-huh. and it it starts off kind of interesting, but it generally sort of falls apart by the end. Like it's not yeah it's very kind of like like he just I don't know it's hard to it's been a little too long since I read it, but it just gets a little bit too there's this, this sort of quality that King's writing get either the there's the bad stuff where he writes too much and it's too long and it's too discursive, and you almost feel like you just you desperately want an editor to come through and clean it up yeah. and then there's the writing where it just sort of like it's kind of and then this happened, and then this happened, and then uh the power of belief, the. end. Yeah um and the dark the, the interesting. i think the, the the most interesting thing about the dark half at least in term in the context of this conversation is it uh the way it the, the way it portrays uh the, the main character of the dark half is thad beaumont who writes under the name george stark writes these really violent crime novels that are incredibly successful um and he gets outed by this guy um this guy actually forces him to out himself because the guy's going to try and um the 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 way the character is portrayed, the character who outs, who, who like kind of forces that to kind of come out with his big secret is just ruthless. Um, he's brutally murdered in the book. Um, he, like he's killed like a mob stooge. Like he has his, uh, like just graphically horribly killed. Um, and the character is just like, nobody likes him. Like everything about him is everything that's described about him is just, he is a weasel. Um, he was looking to try and like get some money, um, blackmail Thad into, to paying him off to keep silent, um, which is kind of bizarre when you think about it, because it, like, it's it's this weird idea that the king is so caught up in the idea that it would matter to him if his pseudonym was exposed that it it, it like it doesn't really why would why on earth would it matter to this guy who this this guy who does not have the same kind of popularity? But yeah, it makes you wonder how upset he was when it got exposed. Like it, yeah. it it's, it's 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 all like very cheerful now, but it makes you wonder just how I don't know how frustrated he 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 was when he had this outlet for his Cause he writes a lot and this out, this was an outlet for him to actually get like published more and kind of get that sort of that junkie fix, I assume. And um, I wonder how angry he was when that was taken away from him.
2: The, the death of the guy who outed him sort of reminds me of uh, you know, the uh, Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie where Ebert is the mayor <laughs> yeah. and uh, he, yeah. and Ebert complained like how, if you're going to put one of your critics as the mayor, why not have him get
0: eaten by Godzilla? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, that yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, it may not have been literal anger at this guy because he, you know, it might have just been the plot needed him to be kind of the, the weasel victim yeah. character. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah.
1: I, it's, it's, it's probably, it just it's just funny to me once I put those together as I got older and wondering if like that was, <laughs> if there was any sort of resentment there
0: or not. Well, it does need to be said about Stephen King that he, you know, as I say, as you say, he probably felt a little raw about not being taken that seriously as an artist, as an author, because he definitely has an artiste's view. He has a very specific way he wants things to be done, to the point where, as of course, Stanley Kubrick, he will have an argument with Stanley Kubrick, who makes a great film out of his book and still feel like it was, you know, it was, it, it, they muffed it because it wasn't his version of what he wanted. And it was a very personal novel to him, of course. But, but and, just...
2: Uh, haven't seen the the remake he did but uh yeah the I've remake's heard, terrible
0: yeah don't it's
1: terrible i love Stephen. i love stephen king i love the original novel the the movie this like i mean the some of the performances are, are fine but like it's yeah. it's four hours long or some or some ridiculous amount it's it, absurdly padded it's very goofy and like some of the performances are outright bad so yeah don't
2: and i've seen the cgi um hedge hedge animals uh, but, yeah yeah that that they shouldn't have attempted that, <laughs> yeah,
0: but but and that just shows you like it's it's him going, no, we're doing it. Like he 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 reprinted he republished the stand a few years later with like all this stuff that had been cut out by the editor because he he wanted it to be so. He has a very clear idea of what he wants, basically. Uh, well, he's he,
1: not. he's also like he's also so incredibly powerful as a writer that they were like like he just can get away, like he just. Again, I say I say this like I'm being critical of Stephen King, but he's one of my heroes. Um, but it does feel like if you were if you were in a position where you you were like incredibly powerful, incredibly popular, and people were constantly trying to find more projects from you because it would make them more money, it would really it would be hard to keep your sense of perspective. And I I honestly don't. I don't blame him for being upset at the Kubrick movie. I love the Kubrick movie. It's a great movie. But it's also like, if you write a novel, it's something you care about passionately. And the, the Kubrick movie is almost a vicious satire of the novel. Um, It's not really funny, but it's basically saying, yeah, any sort of nice thing in this book, any sort of positive, it's all bullshit. Like, (laughs) like there's that very, a very famous um, conversation between the two of them where Kubrick called him um in the middle of the night and and asked him do you believe in god and stephen king said yes and Kubrick said i thought so and he did not and and that <laughs> kind of to me is like the fundamental split between those two yeah yeah, uh, yeah. yeah but anyway definitely. back to the bachman books sorry yeah, back well to the books.
0: i think I, I, we have to wrap it up i think we're hitting uh, our time allotment for this uh any any final thoughts uh phil maybe uh, phil Oh, sorry for pu- putting me on the spot here. No, that's fine. Um
2: uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're, it was like I said, uh, um they're very enjoyable. I can see why King is popular as a writer. Um Yeah. <laughs> um Rage doesn't sound very good, but uh <laughs> It was it was okay. It,
0: it was it was sort of okay, but it's you, you can see why it was of its time, let's mm. put it that
2: oh, way. Oh, I I had yeah. uh I had trouble getting through road work for personal reasons. My dad's having some mental health issues and it felt a little too close to home, but i uh, I kind of put off reading it, uh, finishing it until today. So yeah. I just finished that one.
0: Yeah, it is. That is one. Of, but that is the thing with Stephen King. Like, and of course, I, I wouldn't say the situations are that similar. But he has that way of getting under your skin with his characterizations. Mm. That make oh, you I, I'm not to worried. My things. dad's
2: gonna blow up a blow up his house <laughs> or anything. But um, <laughs> um he, he's he's having some mental health issues and yeah. isn't getting help. Um so yeah well maybe you'll hear
0: this and it'll mean he'll get the help he doesn't listen to this show yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah anything last thing you wanted to say there zach uh on these or um i would say
1: if you haven't read these and if you're interested um definitely check out the long walk um the running man is is pretty good but keep in mind there is some very old school racism in it oh Um, very much
2: so and sexism
1: earlier stuff especially um even like the stand has some weird racist bits um it doesn't it's not like a pervasive attitude and that it, I don't think it's like this fundamental, like he is a deep, ra- deeply deep suited racist and he's just covering for it. It's more like he's a, he's a guy who grew up in a, sm- in a bunch of small towns and probably dealt with a, lot, a bunch of small town, white, white folks. And when you're sheltered like that, these are these, there are certain attitudes, especially at that time and place that you don't really question that much, but um, keep in mind there is, but I think the long walk is one of his purest, just, in terms of propulsive storytelling, it's very, very grim, but it's very gripping. Um, and Roadwork was actually one that I didn't read for many, many years because I just couldn't get into it. And I finally read it uh, last year or the year before. And it's, it's fascinating as an example of where King's career might have gone, because it's very much sort of like a, like a mi- mainstream middle brow literary novel. It has kind of a, yeah. not really a John Irving feel, but it's kind of like the, um, it's kind of like, it. it just doesn't, it's more slice of life stuff that eventually builds to this climax but it's not really it's not really necessarily about horror per se it's more just about a guy struggling in the day, his day-to-day life um, it's interesting but I thought it I think it was ultimately a good idea that he went in the direction he did and yeah rage is was fine like it wasn't good like, even at the time when I read it as a kid it was sort of like it felt like the kind of thing you, re- you write as a teenager when you feel like the world <laughs> doesn't understand you. Yeah, There are some interesting things he does in it. Um, and if you're really desperate to read it, you can probably find a used copy of the Bachman books at a used bookstore. Um, I used to find them, like, by the dozen. I don't know how much harder they are to find now, but I've got a copy sitting at home in a box. Um, but it's not if – you it, you're not missing out on lot, that much. It's not like a, on, a lost class
0: no yeah exactly it's a it's an interesting uh marginalia for stephen king fans basically it's the it's the completest stephen king completist is going to want yeah
2: practice. all the versions i i was looking online for used copies and they're all really expensive because it's <laughs> stephen king so right exactly they, it,
0: well, he said Richard Bachman. He said, "You know, I put these out. I sold like ten thousand copies of each, and then when they found out I was Stephen King, I sold a hundred thousand <laughs> copies of them. Basically, so yeah, it's that. And they, and these do feel like they were written to be paperbacks in the '70s, back when that was a thing in publishing, and not quite. It's not quite the same thing anymore. <laughs> but, oh
1: God, I wish I wish it was. I so wish it was."
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. That would, that was, I love, that's why we do this podcast. We love the whole pulpy thing, but yeah, that's something we've got to talk about next season. Uh, when we talk about like, anyway, but we gotta, we gotta wrap it up. So, um, cause we are hitting our uh, time allotment. So, uh, that's it for us. That's the end of the season. Uh, we do want to say a big thank you to all our listeners. We hugely appreciate your support. We're truly grateful to have found fans with this podcast. If you want to help us out for the coming season, please subscribe on your podcast channel broadcaster of choice and spread the word to let everyone know about us as word of mouth is the best way to grow our listener base and make sure there'll be a season two uh, you can also support us on Patreon with the links being in the website at Neversleepsnetwork.com dot com slash series slash what dash mad dash universe or just search for Adam Prosser or Philip Rice on Patreon uh, we also want to give a huge thank you to the guests we've had on James Riley English who does the webcomic Brand Echo at brand dot com
2: I, I think it's what is brand oh sorry
0: what is brand dot com thank you Philip and uh, Jess Nevins a renowned pop culture historian and author of the Encyclopedia of Fantastic Victoriana second edition which will be ebook only and available through Amazon in the next month or two and available next January 31st horror fiction in the 20th century and of course a huge thank you to Zach Handlin who writes for the AV Club and has a Patreon where he reviews TV shows like Star Trek Voyager Uh, anything else you want to add to that Zach in terms of no, nope, but I, I'm thinking.
1: I, I think I'm probably going to start doing a series on on King in the Patreon in the next year. Uh,
0: I think it's time. Yeah. there So you go. thank, thank the you very show. much for having me on. No, no problem. We're happy to. It turned out to be a great uh, tie-in there, basically. So uh, thank you, friends. And if we were all on the long walk together, I would help you over the finish line. I guess I don't know. Uh, one last time. This is Adam Prosser and Philip Rice, the hosts of the various deadly game shows, with producer and engineer Alex Ross. And uh, shout out to Jack Furick who composed the theme song. We will be back in March.
1: Take Hi. care.